Founder Space Startup Supercharge. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founder Space, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. Today, I have a very special guest, Art Bell. He's the guy who started Comedy Central. Art, welcome to the show, and tell us a little about your background. I was um, born in New Jersey on the Jersey Shore. Bruce Springsteen was a local bar band, so it was really a great place to grow up. We went to the beach all the time. When I was growing up, I had a fascination with comedy, and that started pretty early for me. I was probably eight years old when I first saw you know, Alan King and Richard Pryor, mostly on the Ed Sullivan show. That was what I was you know, allowed to watch because it was on at eight o'clock <laughs> and I was young. But my fascination with comedy lasted through high school where I started a, a satirical newspaper called The Tongue, which got me into a lot of trouble, as you can imagine. Um, and uh, also in college, I did some sketch comedy, did some comedy writing and hung out with some guys who eventually ended up in Hollywood being comedy writers. So that was really my, my background in terms of what brought me to Comedy Central in the first place. Um, I guess the other thing that's interesting to know about my background is that in college, I was an economics major. And my first job out of college was as an economist. I spent three years as an economist and I thought it was great fun. You know, people always say, oh my gosh, you're in the television business. What the heck would you want to be an economist for? Well, I thought economists, you know, were, I thought economics was particularly interesting and somebody offered me a job and I got to work with really smart people on really tough problems. Those were my smart days. That's how I think of it. And uh, it really set me up for business in general. I mean, knowing about economics and how economics works is a great uh, background to have for any kind of business. That's great. Now, I want to go a little deeper on your founding Comedy Central, because a lot of our audience are entrepreneurs and they are, they have their dreams, their visions. You know, I want to know how it started and some of the obstacles you faced in getting this cable network off the ground. Well, to say that I faced obstacles is an understatement. I originally started to think about a comedy network, an all-comedy network, when I was in business school. I was at Wharton, and there was a show called The Wharton Follies, where people like me who were interested in the entertainment business gravitated. So I, the first year I was in The Follies, I wrote a little bit. Second year, I wrote the entire show including the music and everything else. And it was great. You know, it really came out great, but it reminded me how much I love comedy. So I knew I wanted to get into the TV and film business. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but at that point I said, Hey, why not work at a comedy network? I think I'd really like to work in an all comedy channel. And I looked out there, there was an all news channel and all sports channel and all kinds of things channel. There was no all comedy channel. And I was, <laughs> I was flabbergasted for one thing. I said, how, how could, why, why did no one start an all comedy channel? Um, so I launched myself into the, into the television business by getting a job in finance at CBS. 
which, as you can imagine, was not my first choice of jobs. But, you know, it was a television business and I wanted to make sure I got in there. I got out of CBS about a year later when I went to HBO. And HBO was, you know, it was a much smaller place. There were about seven or 800 employees there. And it was, it was the equivalent of Netflix today. It was the organization that was going to change television, change the way people watch television. You know, we are the future of television. It was a lot of smart people. Everybody's high-fiving in the halls because they were tremendously successful. This was kind of like the mid-80s. And I, at one point, raised my hand and said, hey, you know, what about a comedy channel? And everybody said, nah, nah, yeah, they don't want to do that, you know. And it was kind of a casual thing, right? And I was, at that time, I was, <laughs> you won't believe this, I was hired at HBO to do econometric forecasting. They wanted to know how many subscribers they were going to have at the end of the, at the end of the decade and uh, next year, as, a, as it turned out. And it turns out all their forecasting was wrong for like the last two or three years. So they, they figured they'd hire somebody who had some background in economics. That was me. So I got hired. I had nothing to do with the product. I had no no connection to programming or certainly to comedy programming. Um, I was a fan. That was basically it. I ended up being moved after I finished the econometric modeling to a new business development area where they were trying to develop new channel, a new channel, one new channel called Festival. And festival was going to be for people who didn't like sex, violence, and bad language on television. Now, that, that sounds, I don't know if that sounds as funny to you as it sounded to me at the time. But the reason they did that is because they did some research and they found that people not subscribing to HBO were not subscribing because they thought, you know, listen, uncut movies, bad language. I don't want that kind of stuff in my home. So they figured, okay, we'll show airline versions of movies, you know, with no language or sex, and we'll make that a channel. Guess what? It failed miserably. It didn't even get out of the test phase. And I, I remember walking in on my first day of, of the job and saying to my boss in her office, saying, listen, isn't it going to be hard to sell this thing as an entertainment product by what it doesn't have? She, that is a good point. She so said, shh. On top of what it didn't have, which was sex, violence, and bad language, which just between us was a big driver of what, you know, people HBO watch TV was. and movies for. And uh, to make a long story short, that thing failed. And I had nothing to do. I was essentially out of a job. But in those days at HBO, they didn't, well, at least in my case, they didn't throw me out. They said, you know what? Stick around. We like you. We'll find something for you to do eventually. We'll do, you know, you can do some special projects for the president or whatever. So I was doing that for a while and I got bored doing that because I wasn't really, you know, doing anything. So I started writing up my idea for a comedy channel. And when I say writing it up, I meant, you know, not only a description, but the financials, how it would work, where the programming would come from. I mean, I really worked hard on this thing and nobody bothered me because I hadn't, I had nothing to do, right? I was sitting in my office. There's some important lessons here for entrepreneurs. So first of all, you were your, the customer. You wanted something on television and it wasn't there. And you figured there's got to be a lot of other people like me who want this, this comedy channel. That's what drove you to make it. And a lot of great 
companies have started that way. Somebody right. identifies in the market right. that they right. aren't being supplied. Right. And then number two, you did something very smart. You went to work in the industry so you could understand the industry and from the inside. And your economics background actually plays well. And the failed festival network, which was no party, apparently, that plays well because that uh, taught you what it takes to launch a network. Like you launched a failed network, just like a lot of people launch a failed startup and they learn, oh, now, now I know, you know how to put everything together to, to do this. And then the second time they win. You're making a terrific point. And let me expand on some of the things you said a little bit because they're important. When people say, hey, you know, I, I want to do something. I want to be in programming, for example. I say, well, the first thing you got to do is get into the business. And that means getting into the business any way you can. You're not going to get your dream job on day one in any business. So you want to get as close to what you want to do as possible. And over time, migrate that way. So I always say the same thing. First of all, do a great job at whatever you're doing because you don't want to phone that in. People don't care about you at that point. Second, make sure you tell people what you want to do, because you're going to have meeting with your bosses, reviews and stuff like that. And they'll probably say, so what do you see in your future? And you say, you know what I really want to do? I really want to work over in that department or something like that. And I, I think that's good advice for anybody in any kind of business. Second thing which you brought up was my background in economics, working at festival, even working at CBS. What I tell people is any job you have, and I do mean any job, mowing lawns, working at the post office for the summer, you know, in my case, learning econometrics, you know, and working as an economist, and especially working on festival, as you pointed out, we did so much research on how people watch television, what they wanted in television. And I always slipped in a question when I was talking to people about it. I always said, hey, what if there was a comedy network? Would you watch that? Does that, does that sound interesting to you? And nobody said, hey, don't ask that. They just said, as long as you're asking the other questions, we're cool. So I had all that information in my back pocket. Plus, I knew the importance of research in my business. And one final thing. I also learned through festival about competition. And my one line to myself and to anybody else starting a business, never underestimate the competition. They will show up sooner than you think and in a way you don't like, and you are going to have to deal with it. Festival was just like a mini version of that because we started talking about festivals. Hey, no sex violence and bad language. That's a family channel. Guess who showed up? Disney, which had just started a children's channel. And they said, hey, we can turn this into a family channel. We'll just show some movies at night. Puff, we're a family channel. Boom, we were out of business. I mean, ah. that was a really big deal. And I learned that competition, man, you don't know where it's going to come from. You don't know how hard it's going to hit you, but you know it's coming. And Disney had the brand. And they were also not selling it on what they didn't have. They were selling it on what they had, you know, this great entertainment brand for families. They had so much advantage. They had distribution all over the country in all the cable networks. You know, in those days, you had to beg the cable operator in any given town to launch your channel. Because first of all, you had to pay for it. Second of all, he had to think, okay, that's going to add value for my customers. Disney certainly was a shoe in because it had a brand going in and uh, it certainly added value. Festival, 
we don't even know what this thing is. And so we had the same problem with comedy, by the way. So let's go back to your story. So okay. you start to write up your ideas. I start to write up my idea. And as I'm writing up my idea, I said, look, this is, you know, this is kind of stupid. I'm just going to go pitch my idea to the head of programming at HBO. Cause like, she's some kind of a genius, right? She'll see the wisdom of this thing. So her name was Bridget and I made an appointment with her. Now, again, I'm in a company that's small enough, you know, that she didn't say, no, you can't come have an appointment with me. She said, okay, sure. You want to come talk to me for 10 minutes? I'm here. Got an appointment, went up, walked into Bridget's office and said, you know, Bridget, I really think HBO should start a 24 hour comedy channel. And she said, it'll never work. And let me tell you, it's, it's not a great, it's not a good idea at all. It's not going to work. As a matter of fact, it's probably a terrible idea. And let me tell you why. And she told me for 15 minutes, all the reasons it wouldn't work too expensive. You'll never get a list comedians to be on the channel, like Robin Williams and Whoopi and those guys. And there's so much comedy on television already. Why does anybody want an all comedy channel? She went on and on. Then she's, she said, look, thanks for coming up. We're not going to do it. Talk to you later. That's the end. That was it. So I walked out of there and, you know, like basically having a truckload of ice cold water thrown on my idea and me. She ended with, you don't know much about television or comedy. So uh, <laughs> that was really nice. So, so this it, is like an entrepreneur. It stung gets, a little. <laughs> yeah, it gets crushed. A lot of people would quit here, but apparently you didn't. No, I, I well, I didn't quit. I, I walked back to the elevator just thinking. Not, not quit your job. I meant quit your vision. No, no, no. I'm telling you, I, yeah. I walked back to the elevator thinking she's wrong. She is wrong. Somebody is going to start an all comedy network. Look, we weren't the only guys in town who were doing comedy at, you know, HBO was doing great comedy, but A&E had had a, a nightly stand-up comedy show called A&E at the Improv. And I always looked at them and I said, man, those guys, they could take that. They could start a whole channel with that. And they would. And I said, somebody's going to start a comedy network. I don't understand why it's not going to be us. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish writing up my plan. I'm going to staple it to my resume. I am going to send it to all the media companies in town and in LA. And, you know, like maybe Paramount will think, hey, that's a good idea. Let's try that. Or maybe NBC or something, right? People always say, really, we're going to just leave HBO, you know, and just, but I was young, right? And I was, it wasn't so much ambitious, but I wanted to do interesting things. And at that very moment, I wasn't doing anything interesting. And so as I'm writing this thing up, my boss's boss, who I'm no longer really working for, walks past my office and he says, hey, Art, how you doing? What are you doing? And I said, oh, um, I'm writing up this idea I have for this all comedy network. And he says, really? Sounds cool. Let me see what you got. So he reads the thing or some of it. And he says, I think the chairman of HBO should see this. I think this is really cool. And I think this is important. And I said, wow, that's great. You think we can get in to see him? He says, yeah, he's a friend of mine. It's no problem. He said, let's go. And I said, right now? And he said, right now, we're going to the chairman's office. So the chairman was Michael Fuchs. We walked into his office. I had no presentation. I had not thought about how I would pitch it to the chairman of HBO. I, I, I was basically completely unprepared. 
I was introduced as here's Art. You know, he has a great idea for a channel. He wants to talk to you about it. So Michael Fuchs sits down and says, okay, Art, what do you got? I pitched my heart out. I did. I just, you know, I just did the best I could. And I think this was another lesson that I, I learned. I think what got me through that was my passion for the project and also my vision. And when I talk about vision, I know that everybody says, oh, passion, vision, totally overused terms. Yeah, everybody's, everybody starts a business, they have passion. Everybody starts a business, they have vision. But let me tell you something. You have to be very specific, especially in your vision. And what I said to Michael was, if this thing works in 10 years, we will be the center of the comedy universe. Okay, that's vision. What's it going to do in 10 years? And how is it going to change the world? And that was what I talked about. This thing will change the world. That's what people want to hear about your product, whatever it is, or your business, that you're going to do something that's going to change the world. And not only that, but you are so passionate about it that you're willing to, I won't go as far as die for it, but you're willing to fail. You're willing to put everything on the line. At this point, it was my reputation, which wasn't really putting much on the line at the time, but, you know, my reputation and, and a job and, you know, my future in the industry. But it was something I thought about. It was something I thought about. If this thing gets going and it's not successful, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reflect on me. Anyway, to make a long story short, Michael said, you know what? I like this idea. Here's what you're going to do. Do some research, put together a demo tape, and I'm going to team you up with the head of HBO Comedy. His name was Stu Smiley. You guys put together a, a demo tape, figure out what this thing really looks like. And then in a couple of months, you're going to give me and the entire executive team a presentation on what this whole thing would be. So I said, great. And I walked out of there thinking, wow. And then I thought, oh, my God. I, you know, the dog just caught the car. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know anything about comedy, which I will point out, interestingly, when I met Stu Smiley, the first thing he said to me was, what do you know about comedy? Yeah, you've never done stand up. You hadn't worked in a well, comedy listen, club. I, I, I done sketch comedy in college. Okay. I liked comedy. I, I was a fan, basically. And I considered that I knew something about comedy, you know. On the other hand, I was not a comedy professional. Stu had worked in the industry for 12 years. Mm. He knew everybody in the business. He knew every comedian. He knew their agents, their managers, their home numbers, how much they made, where they appeared. And I'm like, you know, I'm like the intern. But, <laughs> but I'm the intern who's been charged with putting together this comedy network. So Stu and I teamed up. And it was an uneasy alliance, but we, we found our way. We put together the presentation. I gave the presentation along with um, somebody else, a guy who had been uh, at HBO for many, many years named Dick Beers. They teamed us up and they said, you know, you guys put together the presentation. I gave the presentation. And at the end of the presentation, Michael said, before he said anything about whether we were going to do it or not, he did something that was very interesting. He went around the room. There were about 30 executives in the room and he looked each one of them in the eye and he said, what do you think of this comedy channel? And the person said, wow, I think it's, I think it's terrific. And then he went to the next person. He said, what do you think of this comedy channel idea? 
And the person says, well, it sounds great to me, Michael. I, you know, and he did that for 30 people, including Bridget, who said, I, it's, I think it's wonderful. Yeah, but everybody said it. I thought Bridget it was, a good was idea. the one who said it was the worst idea she had ever heard, almost. Well, that's a little lesson about the uh, way corporate works. And you know what? People say, well, you hold Bridget against that. I mean, she says she didn't like it. Then she said she did. Look, let's let's go with the most charitable, with the nicest, with the cha- most charitable. That's the word. Most charitable, charitable way to look at this. I changed her mind in the presentation. She just. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't really give me a chance to explain it. So I changed her mind. The not so nice uh, explanation is she was sitting in a room of 30 people. Michael was going around the room. Everybody was saying it sounds great. If she said it didn't sound great, she would have had some explaining to do right there. And she probably didn't have a whole lot of reasons. I didn't think about why Michael was doing it then, but I thought about it subsequently. And you know what I came up with? He wasn't going to let this go without having each one of his executives commit to it on the record in front of everybody else that they were supportive because he knew that he was going to need their help. And the last thing he wanted was a naysayer. He didn't want somebody to come around in three months to say, Hey, this thing's not working. I knew it wouldn't work because he got everybody to say, sounds great. So it became everybody's problem and everybody's project to make sure this thing succeeded. That I thought was, that was a brilliant move on his part. I brilliant. thought that was a leadership move. And you know what they do at venture firms in Silicon Valley? Most of the venture firms operate the same way. When they fund a startup, somebody will champion the startup, one, one of the venture partners, but they won't fund it unless everybody agrees it's a good idea. And they do that not just because they need everybody's agreement, but because they don't want somebody saying, I told you so. I told you that was a bad idea. You know, you wasted our money because that creates a negative environment. That's exactly it. So we went on to launch the Comedy Channel and uh, I could say the rest is history, but I just do want to point out. And we eventually changed our name to Comedy Central. What happened is. We immediately, as soon as we announced that we were going to do a comedy channel, we got hit with competition. MTV Networks, who was obviously doing Nickelodeon and MTV and knew how to do cable networks, the day after we announced, they put out a press release saying, oh, yeah, we're going to launch a comedy network, too. And we're going to call it Ha, the Comedy Network. Now, we've been working on it for six months. They were probably working on it for 24 hours (laughs) as they figured out what what to put in the press release. Right. You you know, my cousin was one of the founders of MTV Network. So he's probably involved in that. Yeah. Mark Rosenthal. Do you know Mark? I know Mark. Sure. I know Mark because I worked with him. Ultimately, we worked together at uh, at Comedy Central. Anyway, that's funny. That's funny. Anyway, so we had suddenly we had competition to deal with. We launched. Six months later, they launched in the six months. In the first six months after we launched, we were a tremendous failure. Just everybody piled on. This thing isn't funny. Michael Fuchs made a huge mistake. What is HBO thinking? It's a disaster. That's the first week. Those were our reviews. And of course, I felt personally responsible. I did. I felt personally responsible because, you know, I talked everybody into doing this. It was my plan that was being executed. Of course, with there were 400 people working on it at this point. So that's why I always say I started it. I didn't found it, but I started the whole thing. 
And I didn't want it to fail. So I would come to work every day saying, okay, what's going right that we can do more of? And what's going not right badly that we should do less of? And that's how I got us. I got myself through that first six months. You are constantly changing the programming to get it right, oh, yeah. to fine tune yeah. it. That's the beauty of a, cha- of, of a channel and of a series. The only things you can't change are films. You know, you launch a film on Friday, the thing shows up. By Monday, you know if you got a hit or a flop. That sounds like a tough way to go. But television series evolve. Television channels certainly evolve. And we've all lived long enough to see that happen uh, with basically every television channel uh, on the air. If you think about it, a television channel is just a, a service you're offering and you can change the service, the content of the service. So it's the same of all the startups we work with in Silicon Valley, especially software startups. They're constantly iterating and trying to figure out you know, where that product market fit is, what will make this take off. So you are going through that process. It, it's true. and But you know what I'm always surprised at when I see someone, they, they call it pivoting. That's not a term I, I love. But in the rare cases when someone sets out to build cars and then they say, you know what, this isn't working, but I do know how to make margarine. So let's try to make margarine with the existing staff. And I always, you know, I always scratch my head a little bit. Okay. So then what it becomes about is just making money, making a successful organization, which listen, nothing wrong with that. But in the entertainment industry, especially you're working with people with egos and there's a lot of passion involved and, you know, it's about entertainment. You can't suddenly say, you know what? We started this comedy network. It's not going very well. Why don't we start a sports network? That seems to be going great over there at ESPN. And interestingly, just to fast forward a little bit, Ha launched, Ha was on the air for six months. It got terrible reviews, but we were going neck and neck. They called it the comedy wars. At the end of six months, we were on the air for a year by then. They'd been on the air for six months. I got a call and the call was, we are merging the channels. Mm. They decided to merge the channels. And to me, that was given up. That was like a failure. Oh my gosh. That's like, we lost the war. And we were fighting so hard and I thought we were winning and it really hurt me. Plus I didn't know if I'd have a job. Plus I didn't know if I didn't have a job, who was going to carry the torch and whether the new channel would be successful. I could have done this whole thing for naught, you know, the good news for me is they, they did fire a lot of people on both sides, but they said, look, Art, you and the head of programming from the other channel, you're going to get together. You got to rename the channel. Can't call it Comedy Central. Can't, I mean, uh, Comedy Channel. Can't call it Ha. You got to rename it and you got to figure out what the channel is. And that's what we did. Art, it has been a pleasure having you. I want you uh, to Thank let you. the audience know where they can find you, your book, and anything else that can help them. Okay. Well, first of all, my book is on Amazon and anywhere else you can buy books online and in, and in bookstores. But best thing to do, Go to Amazon.com, look up the name of the book or Art Bell, you will find it. Second thing, I have a website. It's called ArtBellWriter.com. And first page will tell you how to buy the book. It'll also tell you about the podcast that I'm doing with, with a friend of mine who was at the, at, at the founding of Comedy Channel, Vinny Favalli, great guy, knows everything about comedy. Um, it'll also tell you about, it's not on there yet, but I narrated the book for an audiobook. 
It's coming out in a couple of weeks. And I did that because so many people said to me, man, you should tell this story. You should, you should narrate this story. So it took me a while. It's, it's very hard to narrate, you know, to, to narrate your own book. But I did it. And I'm very proud of it coming out in a couple of weeks. So look for that as well. Um, on my website, there's also other writing that I do. I'm currently working on some fiction. There's short stories. And it's just a fun place to hang out. So I encourage you to do that. And check out my podcast. It's also called Constant Comedy. Uh, and you'll find it wherever podcasts are found. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.